Gary Hoffman. Yeah. Shannon Farron. And I'm not going to brag about how much ass I kicked, but let's just say I kicked every single ass. Gary and Shannon. We can't start with this one. It's too late now. Oh, God. There's so much good music in 2002. Blake <laughs> did this to make us mad. Yeah, he did. He's trying to trigger us already. Uh, right off the this bat. This is what the people love. Number one. For wow. the people. We do the show for the people, not for ourselves, okay? Wow. Keeping you humble. I don't know how to feel about that. Is it too early to fire him? Uh, no. Go ahead. Blake? Yeah, what's up? I can't fire him. Oh, you can't. can't how could you fire him. that cute little face? Uh, bottom of this hour, we're going to get into the uh, a great uh, true crime story, cold case from 1976, a couple that was killed while camping. Well, they got the guy. Police tricked a suspect into handing over his DNA. We'll tell you how they did that. The latest on the Dominican coming up, two more people. Also, the nine news news nuggets you need Ur- to know. Urgle, gurgle. Hey, uh, doesn't it feel like we just did the nine news nuggets, that news and brews? This, this, this week, week did go by. Flew by. Yeah. Um, we have the presidential election fantasy league draft coming up a little bit later in the show today as well. And one of the things we had to do is figure out a draft order. And I think we figured out how we're going to do it. But we'll tell you. When I we thought we were just going to pull numbers question. out of a hat. No, it's got to be more than it's got to be deeper than that. Really? It's got to be deeper. Than well, what is it? Well, I can't tell you. You can't tell me. Well, because I don't want you to get a leg up. But you, you could, already you could, know. No, no, I don't. I don't know the numbers. I don't know oh. the numbers. My my daughter is the one who's in control of uh, draft order. Got it. So, uh, but if I told you what the what the process was, then you could look it up. I you can see my computer. So if I ask, if you see me looking up random Democratic presidential candidates and information about them, then you can call me out. Got it. Because I can't see yours. No, you can't. I do all sorts of things uh, over here you don't even know about. Dark web stuff. I saw Ray Lopez come in, look over your shoulder, and almost throw up. (laughs) He was dry heaving for some reason. I don't know what was going on. Uh, All right. We're going to start with uh, the big uh, tweet from the president this morning. It was pretty lengthy. It was uh, an explainer about what happened over the course of last night. And as we saw with... um, uh, Things in the past, the president pulled back right at the very end. Tweet, tweet, tweet. What do you think he just tweeted? Sit back, relax, and enjoy my tweets. In reference to Iran, he says, On Monday, they shot down an unmanned fly- a drone flying in international waters. We were cocked and loaded to retaliate last night on three different sites, misspelled. When I asked how many will die, 150 people, sir, was the answer from a general Ten minutes before the strike, I stopped it. Not proportionate to shooting down an unmanned drone. I am in no hurry. Our military is rebuilt, new, and ready to go. By far the best in the world. Sanctions are biting and more added last night. Iran can never have nuclear weapons, not against the USA and not against the world. 
You forgot the cocked and loaded part. No, I got that in there. I got that in there. The cocked and loaded. That's been the headline that every cable news organization has flown with. I mean, it's a malaprop. You're supposed to say locked and loaded, but cocked and loaded. It gets the point across, right? I mean, what do we expect? He also misspelled sight. Is this another North Korea slash Mexico situation where it's let's create a chaos uh, situation and then let's solve it? Or let's, um, you know, let's enter into a trade war with Mexico. No, it's crisis averted. I've got this. As we move into the election, is that what know. this is? I, I don't know because I, I I believe that he did listen to, and I believe he asked about the generals. How many people are going to die? And whoever it was that told him 150, and he thought, you know what, that's probably uh, that might be a little bit much. Brian Suits, host of Dark Secret Place, right here on KFI, is joining us to talk more about uh, this big. Announcement that we were cocked and loaded, but we didn't go uh, about 10 minutes left in this uh, before the bomb started dropping, it sounds like, before the president pulled the plug on this. What was your reaction to all of this? Well, I uh, just saw the clip that Meet the Press uploaded about uh, 10 minutes ago where the story is a bit different and it sort of reinforces uh, uh, something I'm thinking, but. Uh, he, he told Chuck Todd, because Chuck Todd said, so planes were in the air? And he said, well, no. So that thing he tweeted this morning, I, I buy it um, at, at all. But I think the big picture, you step back, and and I think what we were talking about <clears throat> yesterday, that there clearly was some conversation between Tehran and the the notional government, air fingers of Iran, President Rouhani, and the White House, that, that someone made it clear to Trump this, it wasn't us. This was not the guys, us, who you think you're negotiating with. This was the IRGC. They're a state within a state. They're trying to provoke a war. Uh, you're playing into their hands. There's never going to be a new nuclear deal if you do this, um, you know, and all that. Uh, and so I think part of, you know, yes. so yesterday, you know, with Justin Trudeau there, he said maybe it was a mistake. You know, maybe someone slipped and fell on a red button or whatever. You know, what he, he was pulling back a bit and that clearly to me uh, meant that he was communicating with tehran about uh, the fact that they're not the ones who's who gave it a go it was uh, the irgc so then today he gets to deliver this story which is you know oh boy you know i had this big strike bigly it was bigly gonna go and uh, it was gonna and and it's a good story because politically it makes him a giant stud it's like hey here's the guy who pulled out the big stick and then he thought better, but put it away. And so this plays on. It plays better around the world. Um, and and I, I don't know. Is Europe on? Europe calls for restraint. You know, at the drop of a hat, they were you know calling for restraint yesterday. But so today, Trump you know gets to say, um, I'm not going to play to their hands. And then uh, domestically, this pulls the rug out of the Revolutionary Guard, who who are. And, and I think I said it yesterday with you guys, the, the, their main mission is to try to provoke Trump into the very war that he campaigned against in 2016. How does that benefit Iran? It benefits the Revolutionary Guard. They're, they need to be in a permanent state of war with the United States. They have been since April 22nd, 1979. That is their mission. You know, it's like one day the environment doesn't need protection. So what does the EPA do? You know, they go out and sink an oil tanker or something. You know, this is uh, this is their mission. Their mission is to remain the most influential organization in Iran 
Um, you know, because, you know, other countries get to have internal politics. And this is a, a huge dynamic that we're dealing with is is uh, how does this play in Iran? It doesn't benefit Iran. It benefits the Revolutionary Guard, which, like I say, is a state within the state. Do you think that Iran saw this president as an opening to to escalate this relationship? You mean escalate kinetically pew, pew, pew or hugs, hugs, hugs? Pew, pew, pew. Oh, um, the, the yes, I think the civilian government is of him, and the IRGC thinks that he's easily provoked. That they they can they can play him like a fiddle um, because and also here's the difference between him and Obama uh, and Obama and Bush. There, there was a very useful component to George uh, W. Bush, and it was that Guppy some. Uh, the Ayatollahs and Kim Jong-il thought, you know what, he might be crazy. With Obama, there was no question. He was not crazy. Obama was very calculated. He spoke in a you know, very articulate, uh, you know, thoughtful pace. There was a thought in the back of their minds, holy S, Bush might be crazy. Well, with Trump, it's that times 10. Um, it, you know, clearly... Uh, the in Tehran, they're thinking, you know, this guy, uh, this guy just might not quite understand what kind of a war this would be. So I, I think there's a big component to that. Uh, we're talking with Brian Suits, host of Dark Secret Place, that you can hear tomorrow night right here on KFI. The Revolutionary Guards Aerospace Division was telling reporters today that they also had their sights on a spy plane, U.S. manned spy plane, about 35 crew members on board that was at least near the Global Hawk that they eventually shot down, and they said they did not want to shoot the uh, the, the manned airplane down. Uh, any truth to that? Any Is it common for, for them to be in close proximity like that? Yeah, it's a P-8 Poseidon, which is a 737. It's a 737 with Navy on the side. And and it's the the replacement for the venerable P three Orion and uh, yeah the Iranians are always lighting us up we're always lighting them up you know we, we our radars on on the navy ships on ashore in Dubai and all that everyone is tracking each other the difference though and this is where the Iranians are are sort of telling a half truth they're tracking everything in the air the P eight the whole thing they're just not. Um, they're not locking on with the actual tracking radar. Two different One of them is no different. The civilian, you know, FAA radar or whatever. The other one, the, the guidance system, when they lock on, they did not do to a P-8. When they lock on, that's internationally recognized as a hostile act. So that's why you don't do that. Um, a, uh, <clears throat> a Korean frigate accidentally locked on a Japanese surveillance plane a couple of months ago and the japanese went godzilla bananas about it and and so uh so yeah the iranians are when they're saying oh yeah yeah we had everything on radar well of course they do um it's 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 reported it's positions reported just like a civilian airliner i can track it you can track it on flight radar 24 but they didn't lock it up so they should rethink that so, by the way wording they said unfortunately we had to shoot the drone down that's got to be a first for the revolutionary guards to to not you know they're composing songs about shooting it down but for them to today say well you know we tried to warn it off twice but then and then we unfortunately we had to shoot it down that's a big pullback in their language so this like i say to answer shannon's question from before this is probably a step far more towards de-escalation because 
now now they they have a better measure of Trump that that um, he had. And there's truth. He he did. You know, he said, work up the strike. And of course, you know, a carrier doesn't leave port without a plan on how to bomb Iran. Um, so I have no doubt that he said, you know, give me that option. Green light it. Uh, and the Iranians know that they saw air activity. They saw naval activity. There was no doubt. Plus, the Russians told them the play by play. Russians said, yeah, they have EA 18s up in the air. So they're going to jam you. Uh, you know, now the Russians gave him the play-by-play, and that's all, you know that at least that signal was was sent. And then Trump says, yeah, "Not today." Wait, Brian. Today. So to clarify, not today. Uh, to clarify, the planes were not in the air. I mean, if the planes were in the air, wouldn't you ask about casualties before the planes were were launched? Um, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's why I'm not buying the story. But the story plays really well. I think you know it's a, it's a great story. I don't think it's the way it happened. I I think you you give a go no go before you sit there and you launch a sixty plane package right. and and um and and you also give notice to you give note cards notice to to uh, airmen you you know the the clearing of American owned planes out of the Middle East, Hormuz airspace. Uh, that's pretty standard and all that, but you you would uh, when we do it, when Americans do it, like off of Syria, uh, we give a notar. We say, hey, from this hour on this date to you know this time in the future, probably avoid this airspace. And we didn't do that. But the FAA has decided that American carriers will not be flying over Iran. Some of the other international airlines did as well, just because they want to make sure that they don't get something shot down like happened over Ukraine several years ago. Yeah, yeah, and there were there were civilian airline passengers who eyewitnesses. The the Global Hawks fly. You know, your basic cross country air flight. You're at about thirty five thousand feet. The Global Hawks fly at about sixty thousand, and there were civilian passengers who saw the Iranian missile go up, hit it, and then the wreckage come down. The Iranians did something amazingly reckless. Um, and that's really what the world should be focused on. But uh, no one's saying anything. So make a prediction. How does Iran respond to this? What's next? Um, I, I, th- I think that the civilian government um, will probably get the blessing of the Revolutionary Guard to just at least hear what Trump has to say, renegotiate a deal where real inspections take place, um, and uh, and then we'll sign that deal. Because right now, the Obama administration agreed to a deal where military installations were off limits. And so the Iranians moved their nuclear program to the military installations. It was idiotic. And so when you say, oh, they're complying with the deal, yeah, it was a crappy deal. The Iranians said, oh, let's move the goalposts really, really close to us, and then we'll self-report how many field goals we make. But that's a bad football game. Sounds like a... Metaphor. <laughs> Option for cheating. Hmm. Hey, um, in terms of the actual discussions that would take place, the president, there are a couple of reports that the president, after he called off the strike last night, reached out to Iranian leadership and suggested uh, some sort of a conversation. How does that take place? Because we obviously don't have immediate diplomatic or official diplomatic channels to go through with Tehran. Um, I, you know what, I'm, because we live in crazy times, I'm not kidding, I wouldn't surprise if he, if he released Jared, um, and secretly released the Jared, released the Kushner, and, and had him speak with uh, Javed Zarif, 
the the foreign minister of Iran, who is virtually ineffective in his own government unless he's talking to Americans. And, and he's alumnus of San Francisco State University, um, the Gators. So I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he released the, the Kushner to go and speak directly with Zarif, because uh, that that builds up the civilian government uh, in their constant rivalry with D.C. And Zarif goes back to Tehran and says, they, they, they want to tighten up the inspections and, and all that. that I, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the next step. All right, Brian. Uh, are, are you watching any World Cup today? Uh, not. Uh, well, I, I'm going to see who's on. Can we talk about those you ladies' know, legs? You couldn't look away from USA versus Sweden because that was such fine soccer, and I'm a student of fine soccer. That was a good game match. It, it actually was a good game. What is it called? My, my wife played. My wife played division soccer, so I kind of have to watch it. So. I have major jealousy over that leg definition. Yeah, it's crazy. Normally, you'd say, "Hey, call the sheriff. Someone stole your calves." But uh, they, um, <laughs> they all, they all look. They're they're tremendous. All I see are great athletes, Shannon. I don't know what you're talking about. I see phenomenal world. No, I mean athletes. that's what that's I'm talking. I'm not talking about from like a you know a a hot legs yeah. Rod Stewart kind of thing. I'm just saying that they they look very athletic. Is all I'm saying. Um, that they did. Can I pimp Dark Secret Place for tomorrow night? One hundred percent. Yeah, yes. and you're going to be filling hey. in for us too. Hundreds of millions of people play World of Tanks. Have you guys ever seen the promotions or commercials for yeah. World of Tanks, the online game? Well, the guy with the greatest job in the world is the historian technical advisor for World of Tanks, the Chieftain, is what he calls himself. And as it as it happens, he is a uh, officer candidate school buddy of mine. He's an army buddy of mine, Nicholas Moran, who's the world's most interesting man. He he left. He was a cop in Ireland. Um, he was in the Army in Ireland as well. He came to the United States to become a U.S. Army tank officer, an armor officer, and now he's got the world's greatest gig. And we're going we're gonna to talk to my buddy Nick Moran from Ireland t- tomorrow night in Dark Secret Play. Awesome. Brian, thank you. Oakley, Oakley. So, <laughs> Brian Suits there. You can hear him. Again, tomorrow night, starting at 8 o'clock, right here on KFI with Dark Secret Place. Yesterday, we talked about senior lawmakers getting an invitation to the White House to come in and sit and get a briefing on Iran and what we're going to do and what the response is going to be, um, the whole bit, to shooting down that drone. What would, it, what would we do? Um, well, they didn't tell them anything. And yeah. Nancy Pelosi said she was not informed of the president's plan to strike Iran. Uh, she said, by the way, Nancy Pelosi is second in line to the presidency. It goes uh, the president, Pence, Nancy Pelosi. Right. And she had not been notified by the White House. Traditionally, House and Senate leadership chair ranking members on the national security related and other key committees are told about imminent military actions. And they weren't. Huh? They were not. Well, I guess they're the one you could. I don't know. I don't know what the explanation would be. You could argue that maybe the plans came together after the meeting but that well, doesn't make any the, sense that's what the story is the, but i don't sense. i don't think that they wanted to let them in on anything brian referred to this cut from um from meet the press to air this weekend chuck todd sat down for an interview with the president i want to play part of uh, part of that for you because chuck todd pressed him remember the president said he called off the strike 10 minutes before it was supposed to happen which would mean got a couple a uh, couple dozen airplanes in the air ready to go after these three different uh three different targets green light something or had you said 
If Nothing we do it, I'll do this. What was no. the, what was the order? You Nothing gave? is green lighted until the very end because things okay. change, right? So and you never gave a final no, order. No, 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 no. But we had something ready to go, subject to my approval. And they came in, and they uh, came in about a half an hour before. They said, "Sir, we're about ready to go." I said, uh, "I want a better planes definition." Planes in the air. We're planes no, no, in we're the air. We're about ready to go. Yeah. Uh, no, but they would have been pretty soon. Uh, and things would have happened to a point where you wouldn't turn back or couldn't turn back. So uh, they came and they said, sir, we're ready to go. We'd like a decision. I said, I want to know something before you go. How many people will be killed? In this case, Iranians. Mm -hmm. I said, how many people are going to be killed? Iranians Iranian. are people, too. Uh, sir, I'd like to get back to you on that. Great people, these generals. They said, uh, came back, said, sir, approximately 150. And I thought about it for a second. I said, you know what? They shot down an unmanned uh, drone, no plane, whatever you want to call it. And here we are sitting with 150 dead people that would have taken place probably within a half an hour after I said, go ahead. Yeah. And I didn't like it. I didn't think it was I didn't think it was proportionate. OK, there you go. Second, I mean, the that's, that's the explanation. I just don't believe that. I Which part I, of it? I uh, that that's how things went down. I he, feel like he, he wants to show Iran that we are ready to do some damage, but then appear to have restraint and yeah. be the cooler head and the whole bit. The 10 minutes thing doesn't make any sense to me, no. because especially when the president was just explaining it was about 30 minutes before things were going to happen. And again, those are the words wouldn't you have those details before the planes are launched? Once you have the details yeah. about casualties and the conversations with the generals and everything. That's why I think his timeline, but he's he, compressing his timeline to make it seem like it was a much more of a last minute change of heart. And here's the thing. I don't need the president, this president or any president to be completely honest about how it goes down that they decide on military action. Yeah. I think sometimes you keep things a little bit closer to the vest when you're in charge of, I don't know, the United States. Like we don't all need to know the step by step on how things go down. Yeah, I right? mean this is this is the equivalent of him saying you're lucky my chicks here because I was going to I was going to give you know rip you a new one but yeah. you're lucky my chicks here. Yeah. He's saying cooler heads are prevailing and he wants to be able to renegotiate this deal uh this uh the nuclear deal because that's what he refers to in the tweets this morning about the president uh that about President Obama making such a horrible deal with Iran and him coming through and trying to 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 recapture the spirit of it which was basically to keep Iran from getting a nuclear weapon in the first place. You know what I'm in the mood for? Cold case. How did you know? Uh, I just I have this feeling it's probably it's 90% of the time you go, "Hey, you know what I'm in the mood for?" and it's not football season, it's cold case. Cold case and pizza. I ordered it. I have such a pizza hole in my heart I right do too. Now. We haven't had any in so long. That changes today. Because we're doing our presidential candidate fantasy league. Ooh, I had a, I put together a little open for that. Too. You did? Yeah. Look at you. Got a little music on it. It's got Bernie Sanders saying, "Hoy." It's uh, got all that stuff. Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, 2002, our flashback Friday year, because it was Take Your Daughter to Work Day, and your daughter happened to be born in 2002. 
Is it take your daughter to work? That's not what I heard. Can we talk to her about uh, her generation and and how they don't wear deodorant? And the bone spurs on their heads? And the bone spurs, the horns that they're getting from looking at their phones? We had a number of stories about this generation. Is it Generation Z? What is it? Hmm. Yes. Yeah. I think so. It's the Generation Z. Do, do you notice that, that people aren't wearing deodorant at your school? Um, no. Because it's a thing. Do you ever smell anybody at school? In like seventh grade, but not now. Yeah, that was oh, good. Hard, that was yeah, hard seventh time. grade's yeah. hard for everybody. Rough, yeah. really. rough time period. It's an ugly year for me. Do you ever wear I, not deodorant? I always wear, wear not deodorant. I always wear deodorant. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now we appreciate that. You're welcome. True Crime Friday? Good story. Uh, yes. Summer of 1976. Let's go back, shall we? Gary was just three years old. David and his wife, Ellen, were on a weekend. <laughs> I'm sorry? I am not the, 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 the point where all time is measured by. Just I was just giving perspective. Oh, okay. It was a long time ago. Oh, that's even better. Thank you. David and his fiance Ellen, were enjoying a weekend camping trip at a place called Silver Cliff, Wisconsin. But it didn't go well. They were shot and killed on that camping trip. This double murder went unsolved for decades. And finally, this year, 2019, police zeroed in on the suspect, a guy by the name of... Oh, I, that you, you were serious. You're going to make me say it. Yeah. Raymond Van Uyenhoven. They tricked him into handing over his DNA. Now you're asking, wow, that was a long time ago. If Gary was three years old, how old is this guy? He's 82. He is, not me. Right. Raymond is 92. 82. 82, sorry. Just um, to let you know that you're always looking over your shoulder, probably. He's now, 82 yeah. years old, and he's still not in the clear. Hey, the thing is, if he, he went through the 80s and 90s and probably felt the whole time like, they're never going to catch me. It, um, this July 1976, David and Ellen met. They left separately and met at this uh, park to go camping. While he was setting up their tent, David was shot. Ellen was sexually assaulted and then shot. When they did find Ellen's body, they were also able to recover some DNA evidence, but they didn't make an arrest right away. In the 90s, of course, this suspect DNA from the assault was uploaded to CODIS, the Combined DNA Index System. But no match. No match, which means that uh, at that time, that may have been the, well, it was the only crime that this guy, sorry, this guy had never been caught for a crime before or else his his dna would likely have been in that system the years go by and then enter our friends over at parabon nanolabs we've told you about parabon before they specialize in genetic gene- genealogy and with this special kind of technology an unknown killer's dna can be identified through his or her family members who have gone ahead and used 23andMe or any of those um, DNA sites. I have, a, I have just a statement. This may be one of those life lessons we want to put compile in the book that we're putting together. Yeah. Um, if, if an estranged uncle comes to you one day and says, whatever you do, you are not allowed to put your DNA on one of these voluntary databases, that might be a sign 
that Uncle Fred has something to hide. Yeah, that's a red flag about Uncle Fred. Uh, but we've we've done these stories before. You know, you submit your DNA to a genealogy database. Uh, it's all voluntary. You do it on your own. I do often... have an Uncle Fred, by the way, and I just want him to know that that was just a hypothetical. I, no, I did too. I mean, I have, I had. He's passed away, but I also had an Uncle Fred. It's the only one I go to. Okay. Uh, because because I know he wouldn't do this sort of thing. No, that's the whole point. Absolutely of it. not. Uh, I have to explain that if my parents are listening. Um, so this allows the police to go through and create a f- larger family tree than using just the law enforcement databases, which they can use, but stack on top of that these voluntary databases, and there's a whole lot more information there. And what that allows them to do is find other people in the family tree and sort of work backwards to narrow down the potential suspects in this case. Of course, the Golden State Killer was the first public arrest using this technology. And since then, more than 50 suspects have been ID'd through this technology. Yeah, and they use that footprint, sort of that techno- that um, method. A genealogist was able to narrow down a suspect tool. Uh, spo- uh, what's the word? Pool. It's not To stool. narrow down a suspect pool to one specific family that did have ties to the Green Bay, Wisconsin area. And they thought that the suspect would be one of, obviously male, because of this, because of the assault, but one of their four sons or four of their grandsons. So you're talking about, very specifically, eight men that may have the same DNA. Or, I'm sorry, that may have the DNA that would match the sample. So what they did was, they start surveilling these people. I mean, this is just a few months ago. January of 2019, they they start surveilling the first son. Investigators took a bag out of his trash and sent socks, a bandage, and an inhaler for DNA testing. DNA? Not a match. Not a match. The second son surveilled in February. According to documents, he would occasionally meet up with a neighbor, a retired sheriff's detective, for coffee. So the detective kept this guy's coffee cup and gave it to investigators. His DNA? Not a match. Not a match. Finally, Raymond Van Wenhoven was surveilled in March of 2019. Two officers go to his home, ask if he would do a brief survey about policing in the area. So he completes the survey, and the officers ask him to seal it in an envelope. His saliva from the envelope was sent to a state crime lab where it came back. Match. Genetic genealogy, according to C.C. Moore, we've talked to her before from Parabon Nanolabs, says that it has been a highly reliable pointer to investigators in dozens of cases. Remember, they're not, they're not solving the cases necessarily. They're just lining up all of the clues with a giant red arrow that points to a few specific people. It's then up to investigators to get the DNA and make that exact match. Vena Winhoven has been charged with two counts of first-degree murder, one count of first-degree sexual assault. The charge has the the sex assault charge has been since dismissed based on a previously argued defense motion, which is interesting because DNA, at least as far as what we know so far, is the only thing that tied him to that time and place. So if that charge has been dropped i'd be curious to see how much of the information and how much of that evidence is going to be allowed uh in terms of putting him in the place at the time that the murders happened 
Coming up next, we've got two more bodies in the Dominican Republic to tell you about. I feel like every day there's another mysterious death in the Dominican Republic to update you on. Or two. Today is no different. Yep. Gary and Shannon will continue. I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm being uh, nice today. Got it. Okay. Um, In the 12 o'clock hour, we would love to hear from you about the strangest names you've ever encountered. Absidy. Absidy. Spatula. You know a spatula? Somebody emailed and said that they, uh, she was working at a museum and one of the kids that came through, her name was female, but they pronounced it female. Okay. So... We're going to do that in the 12 o'clock hour because there's a, a doctor with a pretty crazy uh, pretty crazy name that we'll tell you about. At Swamp Watch at 1230, we have a couple of things. We're going to revisit the story about the president getting right up, and, uh, right up to pulling the trigger on a military strike or military strikes against Iran. But then tweeting today that he pulled back about 10 minutes before it was supposed to happen because... He didn't like the death toll. Generals had told him it could cost about 150 uh, Iranian lives. And uh, as he said in that interview with uh, Chuck Todd, Iranians are people, too. So uh, he pulled back. We'll talk about that. Plus, our presidential election fantasy league draft today. Two more Americans have died during vacations in the Dominican Republic. A man from Kansas and a woman from Pennsylvania. Chris Palmer was 41 years old, an Army veteran who died April 18th. And then April 18th last year, last year. And then Barbara Mazur Mitchell, 69 years old, retired nurse from Pennsylvania. She died in 2016. There's a couple of weird things about what's been going on with just the story of the Dominican Republic. And this is a great example of it. People are coming forward now to say, oh, yeah, uh, Uncle Chris, he died. Uncle Fred about a year ago. Uncle Fred died. Uh, And then Aunt Diane. I don't know. You guys remember Aunt Diane even? She died like three years ago there in uh, Dominican. This is that's where we're you're so good when you're somebody else. That's where, <laughs> that's where we are now as people going back through and saying, oh, you know, funny thing is, I remember a guy think he was related may have died in the Dominican. Now, here's the thing. People die on vacation all the time. People fall ill on vacation. It's just what happens. Are we getting into a Santa Anita territory here? where we're counting and it's become uh, a a bigger mountain. Why do you have are that you look on to, your face? Because people are trying to shut down Santa Anita. Are you saying people should shut down the Dominican? I think the Santa Anita story is a media-driven story. Oh, just by, is what I'm saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Ray, Dr. Reynold Panettieri Jr. from Rutgers says the FBI is doing uh, tests to determine what may have caused at least nine of the people to die after visiting resorts in the Dominican. And what is, I guess there's no real common theme. There are a few commonalities among some of the deaths, like people claiming that they drank from the minibar or they complained of a specific set of symptoms before they uh, eventually were found dead. But when you go to a oh, – that the other thing was they were all in resorts. Well, that's what you do in the Dominican. Right. You're in a resort. Chances are you do drink from the minibar, get something from the minibar. So 
those those things as sensational as they sound don't solve this problem this dr panetieri says uh there can be potential toxic exposure duh topical can be ingested in the case of alcohol or even inhaled you just don't know because inhaled intoxicants could be odorless and colorless you wouldn't know what hit you basically so as the dominican continues uh their health officials continue to do this the FBI is running sort of a parallel investigation as they, uh, they've they been testing not just uh, s- tissue samples from some of these uh, some of these bodies, but also the ingredients in some of the mini bars, I suppose. So, yeah, that toxicologist went on uh, Fox and Friends saying that this was uh, toxic exposure, potentially. Duh. Well, what the hell does he know? Yeah. Well, if... I could have said that. Exactly. And I'm not a toxicologist. Why don't they call you? To, I, they, I don't you know. You do television. Well, I suppose if they had looked up toxicologists, maybe I should just include that on one of my, uh, like a Facebook page or something. I dabble in toxicology. Am, amateur I mean, toxicologist. The the resume is getting quite long. Um, pilot. Okay, but let me ask you again. You said this earlier this week. Uh, if you were to leave, say today, on a trip, and go, t- and you were planned to go to Punta Cana, do you and your husband go? You know what? Orlando sounds nice. Instead, no. You still first of go all, to, you still go to Punta Cana. First of all, Orlando never sounds nice, ever. Okay. No matter how many bodies stack up. All right. But you'd still go to you'd still go to the Dominican. Sure. Okay. I just I, I don't buy into this whole people are being poisoned out of mini bars in the Dominican Republic. It does seem I think strange. people go there, then they overdo it. And a lot of people have underlying health issues. And I think now that we're like counting all the bodies going back three years and that's the and issue. There's nine people that, that have died in the Dominican Republic in three years. That's, that's not a big number to me. When I, you I, see it, the New York Post headline that says two more Americans reported dead. They don't tell you until later into the story, Aunt Diane died three years ago. Right. It wasn't like a recent spate where every couple of days, two more people are showing up dead in a pool right. face down in the uh, in the lazy river exactly. in the Dominican. Exactly. It's just what you said. People are calling in and remembering that Uncle Fred passed in the DR. When we come back, we're going to... Where did your Uncle Fred die? Where did he die? Yeah. Uh, in his shop. Oh. Yeah. So doing what he loved. When we come back, the story locally about the uh, Hollywood Ripper murder, the jury got to visit the apartment. Where I love one, a where jury one of the visit. Victims was stabbed. I love a jury visit. I can't imagine them. Just the I've got a good story there. about a jury visit when we come back. What's that? When we come back. Oh, we're out of time. Teasing. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes gravity. Choke. He's so mad, but he won't give up. Daddies, he know he won't have it. He knows his whole.
It's crazy how music can take you back. I remember the treadmill that I was on when I first heard this song. I remember being threatened with being fired from the job I had at the time. For playing the song? No. Oh. Uh, just for <laughs> sucking as a reporter, apparently. Oh. <laughs> and listening to this song and feeling anger. Do you remember when Jodie Foster quoted this song as one of her commencement addresses? No. You have never heard that? I have not. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to find that. <clears throat> well, site visits are not completely common in a murder trial, but they do happen. And that is what happened this week, yesterday, in the Hollywood Ripper murder trial. The judge and the jury presiding over this trial visited several sites yesterday where the murderer is alleged to have killed two young women and attempted to kill another. This is the trial we told you about when it kicked off. This was uh, one of the murders was Ashton Kutcher's date for an after Grammys party or something back in uh, in 2000. Or two, 2001. 2001. Right. Yeah, it, uh, that was Ashley Ellerin. And in that case, it turned out that the um, the suspect in this case, Michael Gargiulo, lived just a few blocks away from Ashley Ellerin's apartment. They did go to her apartment. They pointed out the spot in which she was found lying on the floor outside of her bathroom, having suffered 47 stab wounds. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, we told you that Ashton Kutcher was the one who took the stand uh, to, to describe. He didn't find the body, but he was there after she had been stabbed and knocked on the door several times and just thought that she had blown him off because he was later than he said he would. Uh, he was later than he said he would be at the showing up to her door to pick her up. The other ones that they uh, that they went to, there was a Santa Monica apartment complex where Michelle Murphy lived in 2008. She was also attacked, but she survived the attack. Gargiulo lived in a building across an alley. Yesterday, they also spent time visiting an apartment complex in El Monte where Maria Bruno was killed in 2005, and he lived in a unit diagonal to hers across a pool on the second floor. If I was a defense attorney, I would fight like hell to stop these site visits. I mean, because it, it may, it, I think it's such an advantage for the prosecution because yeah. when you bring the jury out there, it makes it more real. When you're, when you're standing and looking at the spot where this young woman whose pictures you've seen in court every day was stabbed 47 times. Even, and, and you're looking at that spot where she died. Even if it was a completely renovated apartment, I mean, because obviously it is. It's 17, 18 years later. A, a completely renovated apartment. Obviously, you're, there's going to be no signs of the crime. But... Those jurors have already seen the crime scene right. photos. It makes they've, it real. They've they can now picture in their head not just the the body and the condition that it was in, but the blood spatter. I mean everything, it, and, and, and put that in a a three D place in front of them. And it's going to make them want somebody for it. Yeah, is what it's going to do. I remember going on a site visit when I was covering the Cameron Brown trial. He was um, he was on trial for the murder of his four year old daughter Lauren. They argued that he threw her off a cliff in Palos Verdes while on a hike to avoid paying child support and because he just loathed the little girl's mother. We went on a site visit to that cliff 
where it made sense. Like you can see why the judge would okay that because you needed to know how treacherous it was up there and why you would never take a four-year-old girl up to that cliff. Remind me, was his defense that she slipped and fell? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. His defense was that she was running around, which was completely out of character for this little girl. She was a very cautious uh, little girl, according to all the people very close to her. Um, and that was that was his defense. And the thing that struck me about that site visit, I had such a hard time believing that he was guilty of this murder because it's really hard to wrap your head around a parent killing their child and in such a violent way and and, and, and being a little girl. Um, and then we went on the site visit and I saw how treacherous it was and how you would never take a kid up there. Oh, my gosh. You would be. You would, if you brought a kid up there, you would be attached to the kid the whole time. I mean, you'd have the kid's hand in your hand the entire time because that's how scary it is up there. Anyway, what struck me was when the defendant shows up for the site visit because the defendant goes as well. The whole, it's like the whole courtroom is, is taken uh, to this place, wherever it is. He showed up in a Hawaiian shirt. He showed up wearing because usually, you know, you would be in, uh, you know, a suit and tie. tie, Or if you're in custody, you'd be wearing a. But he wore a Hawaiian shirt to the spot where his little girl, if we're using his story, slipped and fell to her gruesome death. And he's going to wear a party shirt to that site. That's when I knew he was guilty. That site visit is when I knew he was guilty. And all of those jurors saw him in that Hawaiian shirt. Where's his defense attorney at that time? Mark Garrigus. Are you kidding? No, I'm not. Okay, so... I don't know what calculus went into having him wear a Hawaiian shirt, but it was crazy. Man. Also of note from that site visit, because you mentioned, because we have some pictures here of the site visit with the Hollywood uh, Ripper case, uh, the judge is in his robe. Yeah. The judge is in his robe at the site visit. So when we went out there to that cliff, um, the judge... Who, you know, judges, you hold them up on this pedestal. And this this judge that presided over the case, brilliant guy, really had command of his courtroom. Um, he was wearing cargo shorts. The judge was? <laughs> yes. And it was the first time that I saw that judge as like a human being, so like he, just a guy. He had foregone the, <laughs> the, uh, robe. the robe. I mean, it was a hot day in July, I think. But still, it was so funny to see a judge normalized like that, wearing something that like, you know, you would wear. Wait, I don't have cargo, cargo shorts. You did in 2006, probably. I probably did up until about 2016 had cargo shorts. Right. But I realized Actually, we I'm have not pictures of you in cargo shorts. Cargo and cargo shorts. Where do you have pictures of me in cargo shorts? On our Instagram page. From what? From when we took pictures of our legs. Shorts day? <laughs> yeah. Those weren't cargo shorts. They weren't? No, I wasn't. I wasn't wearing them. Somebody uh, was wearing cargo shorts. Might have been Blake. When we come back. Don't um, own any, bro. I'll, Why did we take pictures of our legs? Because it was shorts day. We were trying to fake. We that sounds, the ridic- contest that sounds of, ridiculous. We could probably which get a part pair of, of that. Sounds ridiculous. It's all ridiculous. We should get a pair of cargo shorts delivered to the show today before it's over. No, and then yeah, and then figure out who who they fit. Uh, <laughs> no, they'll be for you. You think one of those no. Amazon drones yeah. can fly in this weather? Yeah. Yes, they I can do deliver think so. anything. We can get um, cargo shorts. We did shorts day, and then we had a contest to see if people could name whose legs were whose. I wonder if our lamps are here yet. Hey, where's the pizza? Oh, Did it's we coming get at leg 12. lamps? Okay. Were they leg lamps? No. <gasps> Sorry. Did anybody not figure out Shannon's first. legs versus your guys's that legs? That would have been so perfect for the office. I that know. was the easy part because she was wearing a 
skirt that day? Were you wearing a skirt on shorts day? That's I don't why know. We I don't think late. that's what makes it the easy No, part. she was wearing jeans and we rolled them up. You've been listening to the worst show on the radio. <laughs> Uh, when we come back, Neil Savedra is going to join us. One of those uh, complete Disney nerds who says that they knocked it out of the park with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. He spent the day there I found yesterday. It. That's our picture. So, oh, you weren't wearing no, shorts. I was wearing, I was wearing, no one's oh, I was wearing, wearing shorts. I mean, yes, you were wearing shorts. You weren't wearing a skirt. Look but at those no one's calves. wearing cargo shorts. Whose calves are those? Are those yours? Let me see. Who's that? Oh, that's Oscar. Um, let me, <laughs> Let's go to break. Wait, let me see. I'll show you. Uh, Amy King has the latest. Yeah, those are my calves. You have the calves of a ballerina. If I could fall into the sky, do you think time would pass me by? Because you know I'd walk a thousand miles if I can just see you tonight. So you've never heard. Jodie Foster's commencement no, speech no. at Penn? No, I don't think so. It doesn't ring a bell. It was actually 2006 that she gave the commencement speech at Penn. And it was the commencement speech. Do hard things. Explore. Be yourself. Be true to yourself. You're good at that. Ugh. And then this. You better lose yourself in the music the moment no. you own it. You better never let it go. No. No. One shot, do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Oh uh, and then if you didn't get it the this first the time, she heard. just does it twice. You better lose yourself in the music the moment you own it. You better never let it go. One shot, do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Class of 2006. Congratulations. There you, go. you know, I didn't need to hear that. You're not inspired by that? You could have protected me from that. Knowing that I had never heard that, you could have kept me in a safe space, but you didn't. Dean Sharp's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. We're going to be talking about in-home saunas and steam rooms if you're in that market. Neil Savedra joins us now to talk about Star Wars land. I would quote Star Wars music if I was giving a commencement speech. Yes. I would be like, dun, 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 dun. Dun dun dun, dun dun, dun dun dun, dun dun. I think John then, Williams put it best yeah. when he said, and then just <laughs> just yell the name of the team mascot, right, and just throw the mic down. Go Tigers! Uh, we've talked before. You're a uh, Disney aficionado. Disney file. Love that place. Love that place. Season pass holder, annual pass holder. So tell us your review. Wow. Galaxy's Edge, it, you're going to hear the term immersive a lot because there's nothing else you can use to describe it. It just really – the the weird thing is it could be an entire park unto itself. It needs more than land. You could, uh, you could see an entire Star Wars amusement park easy, hands down, because it just is this kind of post-apocalyptic Morocco vibe that – it makes it makes you feel like you're somewhere else. Wow, you were saying uh, so. You went, uh, you yeah, checked for the last out two days. Yeah. Yesterday, yesterday, the day before, mm-hmm. you got two days worth. Yeah, I, not of Galaxy's Edge, but I was there for two days okay. at the park because you had to get a room. Yes, early on, the language in the announcement yes. was vague, but enough that made me think. I bet if you get a room, 
then you're already in. And sure enough, it ended up playing out that way. But early on, there there was just a weird kind of the verbiage was a little strange. And I thought that makes sense because they're not going to turn away people that are, you know, spending money on rooms. Right. How detailed is it? Very. But the the best part about it, you've been to Machu Picchu, right? No. Oh, I thought you had been to Machu Picchu. One of the cool things about Machu Picchu, at least years ago when I went, uh, my wife and I felt like, wow, not a lot of it's roped off. You kind of walk up and experience all of it. And there's people laying on the grassy parts of Machu Picchu just napping or having a picnic. And I thought that's a really neat way to experience. If you remove all the a-holery in life, we should have access to a lot of really neat things. It's just that some guy goes, I wonder what it'd be like if I, you know, scratched my name in this rock. Right. Uh, and then we all go, oh. But the, when you're walking <laughs> through the streets at Galaxy's Edge, you're, you, there's so much stuff you can touch. You know, um, there, there's a lot, of, a lot of detail. And the merchandise is not in this, you know, bright Disney colored box. All the merchandise is boxed in this really muted kind of brown and gray. So it, it doesn't pop out. It, it kind of blends with everything. The people that are um, keeping the location clean are coming out in full costume with these carts that are beat up and weathered that look like they're part of the backdrop coming in. So you don't even really notice them. Right. They don't. Nothing takes you out of it. And then all of a sudden, you know, like... Chewbacca's walking down the street, or Ray. The the Ray that they have is ridiculous. She is so spot on, and she's so sweet. She's talking to the kids. Is it Libby? Really... No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm pretty. Never mind. Uh, but the uh, it was not. Uh, however, I don't know. Maybe she's Belle on weekends. I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea. But it is pretty impressive. And then um, you've got. Uh, first order stormtroopers walking around, uh, you know, checking people. It's a, it's a kind of oppressive. It's kind of neat. This is this was done at the time when the reservation, so the the crowd was controlled in terms of the numbers. Yes. Monday, that's gone. Yeah. Uh, so twenty third, yeah, right? Fa- is that twenty fourth? Monday. Uh, 20, well, okay. I'm fascinated to see how that's going to go. Um, Maybe it'll work. I'll tell out. you something. I was there, like I said, for two days, and there were four of us. The park was at 85% capacity, and I'm a 67 or below guy. Like, when you get to 67% or below, it, you're walking on rice. What about 68? I'm telling you, that little that little point Sweet matters. Sweet spot, yeah. yeah. So, 67 and below, you're, you're popping on rides. It was 85% full the two days we were there, and I didn't notice. Hmm. We got, if you're using max passes, if you're, if you're doing fast pass, if you're doing these things and you're doing them right, and you're watching... You're getting on everything. We there. I don't think we missed anything that we wanted to go on. Um, the rides moved. The um, I don't know what it's going to be like once they open Galaxy's Edge to the general public for uh, the a smuggling ride. That's their big ride. Right. But that's freaking cool too. I mean, you're talking about six people in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. So it's not like you're there with a hundred people. You're six people, and you all have roles. Gunners and engineers and Did you pilots. enjoy working with strangers? Uh yeah, I was fine with that. Why? 
Jeez. I mean, we well, just because you kind of all have to work together in there, right? Sort of, but you all have your own thing, so you, you're enjoying your own. Okay. You know? So the pilots are doing their flying around, and then it's it's you're not really interacting with them as much as the ride is interacting with you okay. and saying, hey, Gunner, do this, do that. Got it. So you're not like uh, – it was Karen, right? So my, my blaster is stuck. <laughs> okay, that's what I was wondering. And you're looking at each other. Hey, don't get cocky. <laughs> get it? That was from the movie. No, it's not. Okay. It's not like that. But you do inter- you, you do kind of interact with each other. The set for the Millennium Falcon is insane to walk through it and to just go, oh, my gosh, I'm standing in it. The Every, every detail is meticulous. The weathering is insane on all the stuff and – the little details at night. I can only imagine what it's going to look like too. But it is, it is phenomenal what they did, and this is only the beginning. I can yeah. guarantee they're going to be opening up new rides and all kinds. Of Great stuff. Awesome. review, thank you. Anytime. Coming up next, Dean Sharp. It's about to get hot in here. Wow. Get it, Amy King. We're has, talking about saunas. Yes, I know, Amy King. What? Starts with one. I don't know why it doesn't even matter how hard you try. Gary and Shannon on this Friday, June 21st, first day of summer. Next hour, we're going to get into some crazy names. Somebody's actually named Dr. Marijuana Pepsi. We're going to hear from you about some of the craziest names that you have heard. In the meantime, Dean Sharp. Hey, what's up? On the weekends here on KFI. How's it going? Super. Feel like I need to warm up a little bit though. Like today is a little cloudy day, and I need some hot, steamy room time. I fell in love with saunas when it was all in and trendy to go to these. Uh, I think it was called Shape House in Hollywood. One of my friends told me about it, where you go and you sit in these infrared saunas and you sweat out all the toxins, and it was supposed to burn a bunch of calories. And I totally bought into that. And and then I realized that I just really liked the way that it felt. Right. Like a good sweat. It feels amazing. It does. You feel brand new. So we're talking about steam rooms, saunas, uh, hot tubs tomorrow on tomorrow's show. And I'm going to cut through as I do, uh, kind of, you know, the crap and divide the myth from the realities. Because like stuff that you mentioned, there are still, you can go on the web and look at uh, sauna uh, manufacturers telling you you're going to lose a bunch of weight and stuff like that. It's not. That's not true. It's not true. But it does make you feel brand new. It does. It <laughs> makes you <laughs> it it, uh, it it makes you feel great. And there are. There are. I mean, we're talking about a practice that has like the dry sauna that's been around for at least 4,000 years. But, there are health benefits to sitting in a superheated sure. room. Uh, aches, pains, uh, the way that it affects your uh, connective tissue where it joins with your muscles, uh, cardiovascular benefits. There are all sorts of benefits, but weight gain ain't one of them. So or weight, weight, weight loss, loss. I say. These places that I was referring to, they charge a lot of money. And I was shocked when I found out how affordable the saunas are to put in your backyard or in your your basement or yeah. your, your bathroom or whatever. Yeah. Now, now we're talking. We're not talking about just a, a handful of bucks here. But the point is, uh, and one of the reasons I wanted to do the show is, is again, it's here's one of those things. I spend a lot of time on my show bringing sort of high end estate concepts down into the uh, mainstream, and it's pretty much mainstream in Southern California. It's not. It doesn't shock anybody when you hear them say, "Hey, I got a uh, you know I got a new hot tub, the jacuzzi sitting out on the patio." Yeah. Okay, sure. We all do that, right? Lots of people do that. Not so many people think in terms of the steam room 
or the sauna, but steam rooms and saunas uh, can go into your home at the uh, same price point as buying the, you know, the big six-person hot tub uh, for the backyard out on the deck. And in fact, a steam room or a sauna built into your house, unlike that hot tub, actually raises your property value, raises the value of your home because it's a permanent fixture in your home. It's not just a thing sitting in the backyard. So I would assume that they have uh, not just ones that you buy basically straight out of the box and plug it into the wall in a small, you know, one or two seater style sauna steam room, uh, but that they have, there would be places that would come in and custom fit it to whatever space you had available. Yeah, for sure. There are companies that just exclusively build out custom saunas for you and will be happy to do that for you. You can also order kits on the internet. Uh, so the, all the lumber shows up and you basically, it's ready to assemble. Or <clears throat> there are uh, there are a ton of websites that <laughs> half of which have uh, kind of uh, you know well let's just say not the best advice but there there are plenty of places you can go on YouTube and actually learn how to build out a a sauna. They're yourself. not tough. <clears throat> well, now which, I, sh- I should make the difference. There's a difference between steam room and a sauna. Clearly, okay. Steam rooms are steam based. Uh, it's a really common thing and something for somebody to think about. If you're redoing your master bathroom, for instance and the shower is going to get a complete redo, you should think about the fact of whether you want your new master shower to also be a steam shower. Because all that means is buying a steam-generating pump unit, probably putting it in the attic or the uh, the space right above that shower, uh, and then running an emitter down with some controls. And as long as the glass of the master shower is completely sealing in that, that space, boom, you could have shower slash steam room that uses superheated steam superheated water uh, as the you know uh, as the environment there and when it's working really really well you know you can't see the person sitting next to you because you know you're all fogged out in there saunas are dry heat it's that dry heat room usually lined with like western red cedar mm-hmm. um, and the air temperature gets really hot in there and then of course there's usually a bucket of water and you can ladle some of that water over the rocks on the heater and create a temporary like steam infusion in the room. Saunas, those can be built in. I mean, if you have a spare closet in your house, a sauna can be as small as like a 36 by 36 inch space, three foot by three foot space. That's a one person sauna, especially these days. And there are two kinds of saunas out there. There's the traditional kind with the heater and the rocks. And uh, that's what we call the Finnish style sauna that's been around for thousands of years. But now, and this may be the place that uh, you went to, um, now there are these infrared saunas that actually they don't use a heater with rocks. They use these uh, ceramic uh, or uh, uh, epoxy infrared panels that actually emanate what we call far infrared. What a lot of people like about them is that it, the infrared doesn't heat the air up uh, super hot. It heats you up it's uh, a- because it... It sounds like a microwave. Very well, cool. Well, it, it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, infrared is the next step over. It's it's on the spectrum on the before microwaves, right? And you want a one-person one because you don't want to sit there and sweat with anybody else. That's not necessarily true, Shannon. That's how I feel. Look at the people in these brochures. They seem very happy. They're very happy together. Yeah. What kind of an electrical draw is that? Is that part of the planning? It's, it's, it goes into it, a normal outlet. Just to plug that thing yep. in? That's The it. infrared ones go into normal outlets. Some of the traditional heaters uh, are some of them require 220 not okay. all of them but 
That's the interesting thing. The electrical draw on a sauna, the startup, the, by the time you turn it on and get the room ready, you've probably, you're probably going to spend about 30 cents, and then you're probably going to spend about 25 cents an hour after that in, in electricity. And that's too long. Well, don't be in there oh, for yeah, an hour. Yeah. So, and that's the other thing that, that I, you know, we're going to bring up this subject because I want people to consider the fact that that the uh, the jacuzzi or the hot tub sitting out. I say jacuzzi; it's a brand name like Kleenex. But uh, the hot tub sitting outside, it takes all the maintenance and the water, and you know. And if you decide on your way home, eh, you know, I think I'm going to go sit in the hot tub. Hopefully, you've already got it heated up because right. it's going to take a while for that. The sauna takes 15 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. Right. A, a properly sized sauna. You turn it on 15 to 20 minutes later, it's ready to go. You're in there for 15 to 20 minutes max, and then you're done. So people ask me all the time, they're like, well, which one is the healthiest? Which one brings the greater health benefits? And there are pros and cons to steam rooms, saunas, and hot tubs. But I think at the end of the day, it comes down to that, you know, the uh, the right ex- the best exercise in the world is the one you do. Right. Right? The best diet is the one that you actually stay on. And when you think about the fact that you've got this little closet in your house that you don't have to think ahead of time about, you don't have to do a lot of prep work, you can just very right off the cuff say, gosh, dang it, I just need to get in there for 20 minutes, as opposed to sometimes what it takes to do a hot tubbing. So saunas are things that are at your disposal, and people tend to, uh, statistically, once you have one, use them way more than hot tub owners use their hot tub. Better than a treadmill. Once you buy it, you use it once yeah. and then hang laundry on it. So Exactly. Awesome. All right, Dean, tomorrow's uh, all about saunas and, and uh, steam rooms. Yes, awesome. sir. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up next, UC is going to strengthen its admissions process because of the Varsity Blues scandal. We'll talk about it. Gary and Shannon will continue. Can you take it all away? Can you take it Are you working on your draft yet? No. The list? I haven't given you the list yet. No, you haven't. We at uh, in Swamp Watch are going to go through our presidential election fantasy league draft. We are almost exactly 500 days away from the election, which seems like it's really far away. But next week is the first debate. First of, uh, well, two nights of debates, but the first debate for the Democratic candidates. We're going to go through and... Pick some teams and see if we can figure out who is going to be the last person standing for the Democratic nomination for president. Uh, and then when a, they get knocked out, oh, when they get knocked out, we have to uh, read them a, a love letter of sorts. It's got to be a sixty-second love letter. You got to you got to put some thought into this. You got to do a little bit of research on people like John Hickenlooper. I think it could be a thirty-second nope, love letter. We're doing the whole thing. What I don't have sixty seconds on Eric Swalwell. Well, then don't pick him. I'm not. He's okay. your guy. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. No, not a guarantee. What if I don't get a chance to pick him? What if somebody else picks him? Nobody else is going to pick him. Yeah, I saw Nick has an Eric Swalwell tattoo on his thigh. 50 people allegedly took part in the Varsity Blues scheme to cheat on tests and admit students to great colleges as athletes, regardless of their athletic ability. The mastermind of this all was rick singer and he told prospective clients that he had created created this side door for wealthy families to get their kids into the top colleges 
parents made, paid him millions. Well, now the University of California is responding, and it says it's going to make a series of changes to help combat fraud because of this scandal. One of the big things they say right away is that they're going to monitor the donations to try to prevent admissions based on financial gain. That's That seems clear, but... Th- Everybody knows that that's what was going on. Yeah. This, the, I, I'm amazed that they're pretending that the Rick Singer was the one who came up with the idea of, hey, you donate a million bucks, we name a hasp, half of the hospital after you, and your kids get into USC for free. I'm just using USC as an example. I'm not pointing the finger, but we all know it's exactly what happened. The other steps they say include beefing up protocols, clearing, uh, creating clearer documentation for admission evaluations, and improving the verification protocols to identify falsified information. Now, these are the same government bureaucrats uh, who, on the CSU side of things, were stashing away a billion and a half dollars in a surplus. According to the state auditor, Elaine Howell, she said that the university did not disclose the surplus to students when consulting with them about raising tuition costs, and that all of this... All of this was going on. They are socking it away in outside accounts at the same time that they were doubling tuition at our CSU campuses. All right. Coming up next, Cardi B is hit with new felonies over a strip club fight. Oh, I have never. We'll talk trending. You never when we come saw back that coming. To Gary and Shannon. Friday, June 21st. Coming up, our uh, presidential election fantasy league. We're going to do our draft, figure out who it is that's going to be in the uh, Democratic nomination for president. Will you play along with us if you'd like? You just throw that at me? Yeah. Oh, four. What the hell for? Swamp Watch at the bottom of the hour. <laughs> what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. I mean, what if that hit me in the nose? It didn't. I aimed for your shoulder. Oh, you're good at aiming. The FAA says it has barred U.S. registered aircraft from operating over parts of the Persian Gulf and the Gulf of Oman, uh, of course, because of the heightened tensions between Iran and Washington. Uh, The specifics of the warning were not immediately raised. The Persian Gulf region, of course, is uh, home to some of the long-haul carriers. There are a lot of airlines that operate in and around that area specifically and in the airspace over Iran for a lot of times. Um, All the American carriers we know have been banned from doing that. And then some of the international ones as well also came forward and said, you know what, we're just going to go around just to be safe. We are going to get an update from Alex Stone coming up in about an hour about that warning as well as uh, all the latest coming out of Iran. Well, dozens of people evacuated today, this morning, from a building in South L.A. This is at the 800 block of West 57th. Happened about a quarter to seven. Apparently, these people had been living in deplorable conditions in a structure that was not zoned for residential use. See? Sounds like the ghost ship, doesn't it? Well, 
Or is yeah. this our office? It's more it more resembled our office. Some of the images we saw earlier today made it look a lot more like an office than it does uh, any sort of apartment complex or anything. Firefighters and police officers had to show up at about quarter to seven this morning in coordination with the uh, city council, uh, Department of Social Services. Sixteen people officially notified they could not go back into the building. But they're saying as many as 40 people were involved in what they're calling illegal habitation. But they didn't cite anybody and they didn't say that anybody was injured in all of this. Massive fire in Philadelphia, South Philadelphia, at a refinery, a vat of butane ignited. And there were a series of explosions that they say just rocked the city. Uh, If you haven't seen the images of this, it's incredible. Now, there's also a story that's been floating around in Philadelphia media that this this, uh, refinery has a history of some financial trouble. Now, when the when the CNN posts something about that, there's at least an assumption that maybe this was some sort of an insurance grab, someone doing this intentionally ah. in order to uh, avoid, you know, financial losses, but uh explosions usually tend to result in losses. So, we'll see how That's this... a scary thing to wake up to. Mm. Um, uh, one man said he thought it was a meteor. <laughs> Because the explosion was. <laughs> Why is that the first go-to? I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was Godzilla. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, a judge says Jesse Smollett may not ever be the man that this did not happen to. I will never be the man that this did not happen to. They're saying that there still could be charges filed against Jesse Smollett. Yeah, they have uh, a judge has appointed a special prosecutor who could bring new criminal charges against him. Uh, This judge ruled that the state's attorney there, Kim Fox, and her office completely screwed up this case. They said that the case was rife with unprecedented irregularities uh, that warrant the appointment of that independent counsel in an attempt to restore the public's confidence in the integrity of the criminal justice system. So uh, interesting. Truly unique among the countless prosecutions heard in this building, a case that purported to have been brought and supervised by a prosecutor serving in the stead of our duly elected state's attorney, who is, in fact, appointed a a fictitious office having no legal existence, he said. So, um, did you, are you friends with Cardi B? I follow her on Instagram. So, technically, yes. Remember the video of her? Driving with her pants half off because. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I follow her for gems like that. Got it. And apparently (laughs) she is in trouble with the law. She has been indicted on new felony charges in relation to a fight that broke out at a strip club in Queens in August of last year. These charges include two counts of felony, attempted assault, and various lesser charges. She's going to appear next week at an arraignment. Or she's supposed to appear at an arraignment next week. Her attorney said, We are aware of no evidence that she caused anybody any harm from that night. We expect the matter to be resolved expeditiously. Now they're saying that she was throwing bottles at the bartenders? Yeah, they say Cardi B and her entourage were at the strip club when she got into an argument with a bartender. Uh, That's when the chairs, the bottles, and the hookah pipes were allegedly thrown. Here's the thing. If you're going to get arrested, kids, don't let it be at a strip club. Because that headline packs a one-two punch right there. Not only have you been hit with felony charges... And arrested. Um, it's at a strip club. 
Right. That's just a bad look, right? What about the parking lot outside the strip club? Then it's strip club parking lot, which doesn't make it better. So nothing adjacent to the strip club. Not in it, not adjacent to it. Right. What about down the street from That's fine, a notorious strip club? It wouldn't make the headline. Okay. All right. People have weird names. And we saw this story and we wanted to ask you, what are some of the weirdest names that you know of? There's a, a doctorate. A uh, doctorate uh, woman who is, I guess, achieved a doctorate. What do you get? What do you do? Earn a doctorate. Earn a, earn a doctorate. Uh, That's what it is. She's a PhD, but her name is Marijuana Pepsi. So she's going to be called Doctor Marijuana Pepsi, which is fine. But it sounds like something you would call your stoned friend she when you given, also were stoned. She was given that name at birth forty-six years ago. Marijuana Pepsi. All right. You know what? People need to do themselves. Well, I wanted to ask this because we have a couple stories of strange names that we know of. um, And we wanted to hear from you. If you have any idea, uh, any strange names from your life that you've heard of. And again, we're not judging. Strange strange isn't bad. It's just different. Strange to us. Like the kids in your dad's class who were named Mm F-U-K. It's just a different world, different language. They came from a different part and uh, had different... um, pronunciations perhaps of certain words right anyway 1-800-520-1534 her name was me fook i believe 800-520-1kfi strangest names that you've heard of we'll do that when we come back to gary and channel Stingle for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel wrote an article about Dr. Marijuana Pepsi 10 years ago when she was just Marijuana Pepsi. But but now that she has a master's degree and a doctorate, Jim decided to revisit for the esteemed Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and check in on Marijuana Pepsi now, Dr. Marijuana Pepsi. He got us talking about strange names that we've come across. Tony wrote to us on Facebook. He says, uh, my wife's a first grade teacher in Orange County. A few years ago, she had a girl in her class with an odd name. And uh, she asked how she got this name. And, and she said, well, when the mother was in the hospital giving birth, she kept hearing a word that she thought sounded beautiful. She only spoke Spanish. Just thought this, kept hearing this word and it just sounded beautiful. And the word she loved and named her daughter was nausea. It is a pretty. It is oh, a pretty look, word. You made Miles laugh. Miles, what's going on? What's, yes. a, what's a good it's name you've not heard? Much. Not, uh, much. Great, not much. Not much. No, my my <laughs> my uh, great aunt. Her name is Aunt Deck for Declaration Day, and that is her name. Middle first and middle name. Declaration. Declaration. Day. What, what? Why? Because she was born on when it was called Decoration Day. Ah. Is crazy. All right, I love that. Yep. Thanks, yep. Miles. Appreciate it. 
Uh, Jason, what's going on, Jason? Hey, guys. How's it going? Happy Friday. Thank you, sir. You too. So um, I used to work at the county clerk's office, and uh, we used to issue birth certificates when people needed copies of them. And uh, we had one gal, I can't remember the name, shame on me exactly, but uh, uh, her kid's middle name was an entire Bible verse. It was like 15 words. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know that either. I mean, I guess there's nothing to say that you can't do that. Well, it's like Hawaiian it's names. Do you remember which verse uh, it was? No, no, I don't. I, I, shame on me. I should know. But, was it uh, 2 Corinthians? No, <laughs> Beats me. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Jeez, that was great. Thank you. Uh, all right. Uh, Madeline is calling from, looks like, Seal Beach. What's going on, Madeline? Uh, I have a friend. Her name is Shay Dynasty. But I you, like uh, that. Yeah, Shay Dynasty. But here's the here's the corker. When you see it in print, like when we go to uh, uh, Starbucks, and she give her her name or write it down. They inevitably call her Shady Nasty. Shady Nasty. <laughs> That's great, Madeline. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. John is calling in Anaheim. What's going on, John? Hello. Hey guys. Um, so years ago, I was used to be friends with uh, the actress Shannon Dossaman, and uh, one night I went to her house and she introduced me to her son. Who she named Audio Science. Audio <laughs> what? Science. Audio Science. Okay. That's pretty good. It's different. Which John. Is, yeah. That's great. Uh, thank you very much, John. Yeah. Chris is calling. Hey, Chris. Crazy, weird, Audio. strange name. Audio Science. Happy Friday, you guys. You too, um, brother. I walked, into, I walked into a grocery store in, where were we? Palm Springs with a friend of mine and there was a guy with his name tag right there by the front door as we we're coming in and the name tag read Damaso. D A M A S S O. Ah. I did I, I tried so hard not to make a face as soon as I saw it, <laughs> but we laughed all the way through that store and all the way out into the parking lot when we were done shopping and uh <laughs> Never. It was it was just hilarious. I, I couldn't believe this guy's name. Never thought of it that way. I, Thanks, Chris. Damaso Marte was a longtime uh, relief pitcher in the in the majors. I never thought of mispronouncing his name to Damaso. Rhonda, what's up? Hi! Oh my gosh, I love you guys. I oh. can't believe I got on the radio. We what love are you, you back? Time. What are you up to today? <laughs> Not much. Uh, oh. I'm actually at the grocery store. My son's sick. I got to get a new thermometer. But in oh. junior high, I uh, I know poor guy. In junior high, I went to school with a girl named Princess. <laughs> oh, that's that a was good her name. real name. Everybody made fun of her. I felt so bad for the poor girl, but her name was Princess. <laughs> Rhonda, I love your laugh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. People always comment on how loud it is. It's great. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> laugh for us anytime. Okay. Thank you, Rhonda. Appreciate that. Bill, what's going on, Bill? Hey, guys. Um, I used to live in Hawaii, and uh, Silva, S-I-L-V-A, was a very common last name out there. Mm -hmm. I had a buddy who had four kids. He named the first one Sterling. Wait, hold on a second. Silva? Sterling Silva? Yeah. Sterling Silva. Yeah, oh, it gets better. Hold on. Uh, The second one was Golden. Golden Silva. The third one was Quick. Silva. And then the last one was Hi-Ho. 
Silva. That's great. <laughs> and that is real. You got to have that a sense of humor real. when you're naming your kids sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure they hate him. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate that. Uh, My daughter said she went to school in elementary school with a kid whose first name was Joe. And the last name was Jojo. And the middle name was Joe. Jojo, Jojo. All right. We come back. We're going to get into Swamp Watch and talk about what's going on in D.C., specifically the president and his tweet this morning about uh, pulling back on uh, the planned attack on some Iranian military sites. We'll talk about that. And we're going to start our presidential election fantasy league where we're going to go through and pick each of the we're all going to have to pick every one of them by the way i mean we're all we're picking until they're gone how's that the people running for president for the democratic nomination for president and trying to figure out who we think is going to take the nomination and if any one of them drops out we have to read a love letter to them on the air all right we'll do that coming up next gary and shannon All this, like, this male emotional crap. <laughs> the plaintive ballad. Uh, no thanks. Is this this was Scott Stapp, wasn't it? From, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, top of the hour. Alex Stone is going to join us. We're going to be talking about the FAA prohibiting all of the U.S. carriers, commercial operators from flying over the Persian Gulf and the Gulf of Oman because of the ratcheting tensions that actually seem to be coming back down a little bit from where we were even 24 hours ago. That leads our Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Well, the president explained his last-minute decision to call off the strike on Iran in retaliation for shooting down that drone on Twitter. Um, In morning tweets, the president cited extensive and disproportionate casualties among Iranians as his reason for canceling strikes on three targets. Yeah, apparently one of the generals said the death toll would be estimated at about 150 people when and if they attacked the three targets that had been uh, put before the president. And he said he pulled it uh, He pulled it back 10 minutes before it was supposed to happen. Uh, he was interviewed by Chuck Todd, and NBC put the at least a portion of the interview on their website today to preview what's going to be going on on Meet the Press. And this was the president talking with Chuck Todd about that decision. About Nothing, Or had you said, if Nothing we do it, I'll do this? What was yeah. the, what was the order you Nothing gave? is green-lighted until the very end because things okay. change, right? So and you never gave a final no, order? No, 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 no. But we had something ready to go subject to my approval. And they came in, and they uh, came in about a half an hour before. They said, sir, we're about ready to go. I said, uh, I want a better planes definition. Planes in the air? Were planes no, no, in the we're air? we're about ready to go. Yeah. Uh, no, but they would have been pretty soon. Uh, and things would have happened to a point where you wouldn't turn back or couldn't turn back. 
So uh, they came and they said, sir, we're ready to go. We'd like a decision. I said, I want to know something before you go. How many people will be killed? In this case, Iranians. Mm -hmm. I said, how many people are going to be killed? Uh, Sir, I'd like to get back to you on that. Great people, these generals. They said, uh, came back, said, sir. I love that he keeps repeating, sir. Sir. And I thought about it for a second. I said, you know what? They shot down an unmanned uh, drone, Mm -hmm. plane, whatever you want to call it. And here we are sitting with 150 dead people that would have taken place probably within a half an hour after I said, go ahead. And I didn't like it. I didn't think it was I didn't think it was proportionate. I just don't buy the whole there were 10 minutes until the launch. I think those were questions that he would have had answered before the pieces were in place, before the pilots were in the seats. You know what I mean? Yes. And I think what happens is that that if there's an operation like this, the military comes to him and says, here's a couple of different options that we've got. This one, for example, has three specific targets, including perhaps the the missile base where the missile came from that eventually took down the uh, our drone. And our plan would be to strike it first thing in the morning, you know, 435, 530 in the morning. That reduces the the likelihood that there would be civilians working there at the time. Um, we may even uh, do a couple of flybys, which wouldn't happen, but uh, to warn the people who were there, hey, guess what's coming? You know what's coming. This was about to – and then say that's our plan. But we need to know by whatever time this was. We need to know by 6 p.m. White House time if we're going to go forward with this because if we know later than that, it doesn't. we can't do it. The time window doesn't work out. It's a different operation at that point. So I think what he's referring to when he says the 10 minutes was the Pentagon could come to him and say, listen, we should have a go, no go by 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if we don't, we're going to have to wait 24 hours or we're going to have to wait another time or we choose different targets based on the time zone, et cetera, and the time of day. That's what I think he's referring to when he says it was 10 minutes to go. There weren't. He even admitted it right there to Chuck Todd. There were not airplanes in the air. These guys were not brimming with bombs waiting to be dropped you know, uh, nose down towards the target, ready to go. And then they hear over their radios, abort, 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 just at that last second. That makes it sound very dramatic. I don't think that's the way it was going going down. I agree. Now, the question is, what? what's next? Where do we go from here? Yeah. I, Brian Suits actually said uh, earlier today that this appears to have been, uh, appears to be a, a way for both sides to kind of ratchet things down. The president can say, you pissed me off to the point where I was going to smack you with a giant bat, and I decided not to, so you're lucky this time. And the Republican Guard can say something along the same lines, because remember, they said they were targeting a passenger plane, uh, a Navy spy plane that had 35 people on board at the same time, and decided not to. So maybe this is the, everybody got their toes right on that line, and everybody's taken a step back so that there can be some sort of a diplomatic resolution to this. All right, coming up next, we are going to have our 2020 Democratic candidate fantasy draft, where we draft a team of hopefuls, presidential hopefuls, and then whoever has last man standing gets to be the winner. I think Blake won in 2016. Okay, the key is we're going to pick our draft order right now, Yep. and it's going to be random. But to do that, you need to pick a name off of this list. This does not mean that you pick this person to be on your team. You just need to pick a random person off of the list. And 
Olivia over here has already figured out how we're going to choose who goes which, uh, who goes first based on which name you choose. Okay. All right. But I, you pick the name first, and then she'll tell you how it's going to work. Okay, doke. Nick, you get to go first. Pick any name. Doesn't mean they're on your team. Pick a name. Uh, Pete Buttigieg. You got that? Nick's got Pete. Blake. I'm going to go Jay Inslee. Jay Inslee. Okay. I am going to pick Seth Moulton. He didn't even make the debates, did he? It doesn't matter. Okay. Doesn't matter. Uh, I'll go with Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang. All right. Now, without revealing who is which, tell us how it is we're going to figure out the draft order here. Um, basically, I have all of their birthdays written down. And whoever's closest to the day, August 14th, gets to go first. August 14th is her birthday. Okay. So does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So when she come, when we come back, Olivia's going to reveal what our draft order is, and then we'll get into this. All right? That's fascinating. Sounds like, sounds like a lot of math. It is. <laughs> but it's better than, hey, you give her $26, and then you can bid on the people. That's that a great get. draft yeah, order. Great idea. You just shut your mouth. Gary and Shannon will you continue. You shut your mouth. With our presidential Damn. election fantasy league. It's got real. Like vacation started early. I know. Gary and Shannon's Friday, June twenty first. We were supposed to have cocktails when we did our draft. A uh, bunch of it. Well, remember Mike from Wine Splurge uh, sent us a bunch of wine for this event. Sitting in there. Should Just I go get there. it? Well, you can if you want. We got time. Go get it. All right. Uh, okay. Yeah, you do that, and I'll explain the way uh, things are going on for our presidential election fantasy league. Hi. Four years have passed. It's time again to stage the main event. Hello. Election day is drawing near. We'll pick our president. So what are your plans for the so My plan is to run for president. Hi. This is a defining moment of truth for this country. It's time we put working people first. We will take our democracy back. Hi. I'm running for president. I'm running for president. I am a candidate for president of the United States. I am a candidate for president of the United States Exercise your vote. All right, that's how we're going to open our presidential election fantasy league stuff. And this is the way we're doing it is we're going to choose between the 24 candidates for the Democratic nomination for president. Obviously, there's only one Republican that we know of that's got any sort of name recognition to him. Although Bill Weld, I think, is going to run for president. He's not going to go very far. I don't know why you do that. So um, we've got 24 candidates here. Um, Disclaimer, hopefully last time I have to say this doesn't mean I'm going to vote for Tulsi Gabbard if I choose her on my team. I'm just trying to figure out who I think is going to be the last person standing. At What is that? It's a twist off. Oh. It's a very different draft. Report. Report. I don't know if white, we needed to do that. One. All right. First of all, Olivia, tell us who, uh, tell us the order, our draft order here. Do you want me to make it like a big deal or? <laughs> it's already a big deal. Wow. Oh, it was like a okay. drum roll. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Um, so Who picks last? Going last yeah. is Shannon. Ooh. Oh, oh, man. Okay. All right. It's okay. Third. Uh, third is Nick. Yes. Yes. Nick is going third. All right. And then. Second. Yeah. Take a guess. Me. Blake. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 We wow. bring in our yes. To rig the yeah. draft ah. is what I'm okay. hearing. Okay. Let's start this over. I was like half asleep when he was explaining to me, explaining this to me in the right. car, and, and you, I did and not now understand you get it, it at all. Now you get it. Yeah. The, so, the takeaway was make sure that I pick first. Right. All right. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, in the first make sure draft, I first pick, pick first and Shannon picks fourth. <laughs> I think those were the rules. I didn't someone say that in the car ride. Is someone like in charge of writing down who's going to? I got it. I got the. I got the writing down here. Uh, all right, you guys ready? Do you still want me to do the thing with the? No, you don't have. To. You can if you want to. Yeah, I'll do. you could yell it out. Yeah, if you want, I'm going to pick Joe Biden. Joe Biden, Delaware, six foot flat, <laughs> seventy seven years old. Six foot flat. All right, you're next. Height. You're next, Blake. Bernie. Oh. <laughs> you can just say it. Bernie then, Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Blake's picking Bernie Sanders. Bur- Bernie Sanders, Vermont, 78 years old, 6 foot flat. All right, Nick. <laughs> Kamala Harris. All right. Kamala Harris, California, 55 years old, 5 foot 2. Give me Elizabeth Warren. Ooh. Elizabeth Warren, Massachusetts, 70 years old, 5 foot 8. All right. I'm going to take Mayor Pete. Pete Booty. Pete Booty Gig, Indiana, 30. <laughs> 5 foot 9. Got it. All right. Nick. Uh, the, the, the... Is it my turn? Oh, I'm sorry. You're right, Blake. No, sorry, no, no, Blake. No, no. Blake. Yeah. Uh, I'll take Kamala Harris. Taken already. She's been taken yeah, by we, Nick. Oh, who took yeah. who? I'm so confused. That's all right. Wait, is Elizabeth Warren taken? Yes. Yeah. Calm down. Why is everyone so angry? You, you know, Eric Swalwell's still there. Or something uh, and mark off the people who've already been taken. I'm going to go with... Uh, you know, the drafts I used to do, if you pick somebody that's already been taken, you buy everybody around. Oh, I brought wine. Thank you. Um, I'll go with Cory Booker. Okay. New Jersey, 50 years old, six foot two. <laughs> Nick. Beto. Nice. Beto O'Rourke, Texas, 47 years old, six foot four. Shannon. I hate my draft selection. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my, my lot in this life. Yeah. Uh, 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 God, gotta, slim pickings gotta here. Got a break soon. You know what? Andrew Yang. Ooh. Andrew Yang. Where's he from? Uh, San Francisco? I think so. California, yeah. 43 years old, height unknown. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard is who I'm choosing. Tulsi Gabbard, Hawaii, 38 years old, 5'8". By the way, these are the ages at inauguration, I think is what you're reading. Okay. Okay. I just read what's on the paper. Got it. Um, Like, yeah, no, that's me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with... Uh, uh, Bill de Blasio. Ooh, Why look not? at you. Wow. New York, that 59, the first love five. letter we read. All right, Nick. That's like uh, picking a wide receiver third. Man. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know who any of them are. <laughs> uh, Gillibrand. Here's soft, Gillibrand. soft G or hard G? I don't remember. Soft. Soft. Gillibrand. Kirsten Gil- Gillibrand. Come on, Blake. <laughs> New York, 53, 5'3. All right. Sam? Yeah. I'll go with uh, Amy Klobuchar. Okay. All right. Can't find it. There it is. Minnesota, 59. Height also unknown. Um, just for name purposes, John Hickenlooper. <laughs> Colorado, 68. Height also unknown, but probably taller than Klobuchar. Probably he's a tall guy. Blake's up. Oh, yeah. Um, did anyone take Swalwell yet? You're going to take Swalwell? I'm sorry. Is anyone a good pick at this point? No, I'm just saying that's like Gary's favorite candidate. Oh, do you want him, Gary? I don't care. Um, When he says he doesn't care, that's like him saying he's fine. I'll take Seth Moulton. Okay, I'll take Seth Moulton. Yeah, good idea. Massachusetts, 42. And according to a website, his height is under review. Nick. (laughs) I'll take Swalwell. Ah, jerk. Wow. All right. 
California, 40 years old, six foot flat. Shannon. Julian Castro. Ooh, that's a good, that's a dark horse Texas, candidate. 45, height unknown. Um, I'm going to say Jay Inslee. Washington, 68, height unknown. There's so many are unknown. I know. Like, um, I'm going to go with uh, Wayne Messam. Ooh, good one. Okay. Florida, 46, six foot four. <sighs> Nick. John Delaney. John now you're Delaney just saying guy. words. <laughs> Maryland, 56, height unknown. <laughs> From this point on, all these names are made up. I go know. on, Shannon. Uh, uh, Marianne Williamson. Ooh. Let's do it. California, right. height unknown. So is her shoe size, according to a website. <laughs> Okay, we got four left. Uh, yes. Um, I am going to say Mike Gravel. Oh, Arkansas, man. 89. Height unknown, but probably shorter than he was when he was 39. Old? Alaska. That's what I meant. <laughs> what You're up, Blake. Um, Just pick one. Uh, Tim Ryan. Okay. Ohio, 47. Height unknown, but the retired defensive tackle that now is the radio analyst for the 49ers is six foot four. Nick. Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett. Colorado, 57. Right. I'd have known, but the defensive end is six foot four. Leaves Man, me man. with Steve Bullock. Steve yeah. Bullock. How about that? I don't think Montana, I've ever heard 54. That I'd have known. <laughs> Steve Bullock is Steve. A the governor of Montana. All right. We'll come back. We'll review our, uh, <laughs> review our amazing teams. And then Alex Stone's going to join us. We're going to talk about the FAA limiting flights over Iran because of what's been going on in the Persian Gulf. That's next on Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, we have a massive one o'clock hour for you. We're going to be talking movies. We've got our nine news nuggets you need to know. Did you know they did use Don Rickles' voice in Toy Story 4, even though he passed away? I guess they really? used some of his old uh, old recordings for that. You know what I keep thinking about is the fact that Woody wasn't getting played with in the prologue. I mean, what does that mean? All right, we've wrapped up our uh, presidential election fantasy league draft. My team is uh, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, John Hickenlooper, Tulsi Gabbard, Jay Inslee, Mike Gravel. Shannon's team, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Andrew Yang, Julian Castro, Steve Bullock, and Marianne Williamson. Nick picked Kamala Harris, Beto O'Rourke, Kirsten Gillibrand, John Delaney, Eric Swalwell, Michael Bennett. And Blake picked up Bernie Sanders, Cory Booker, uh, Seth Moulton, Wayne Messam, Tim Ryan, and Bill de Blasio. Um, we're I think Blake's going to gonna run away with this thing again. Because of Bernie? Yeah. Or Corey? Bernie. Or Bernie and Corey. Who knows? Well, the FAA has prohibited all U.S. carriers and commercial operators from flying over the Persian Gulf. Of course, this comes on the wake of the country shooting down an unmanned drone uh, yesterday. Alex Stone is on the story. Joins us now. Alex, what does this mean for air travel? Well, it is having an impact today. About 100 flights uh, have been impacted globally. Most of them, uh, U.S. citizens are not on. It's a lot of uh, flights in the, the Middle East. Uh, the one that folks have been impacted uh, here in the U.S., United, has a flight from Newark to Mumbai that uh, goes into Iranian airspace, and they've canceled that indefinitely, saying that until they know that it's safe to go into that airspace, that going around it is not feasible on such a long-haul flight, that... You know, going 90 minutes around could mean 
either burning a lot more fuel when you're already doing a long-haul flight. It may not have a, a lot of fuel, extra fuel uh, to burn, or could mean making a flight not profitable. If you have to put on that much more fuel to, to go around it, and United's deciding just to cancel the flight. But this FAA rule, what's called a NOTAM, a, a notice to airmen, that uh, they're prohibiting any uh, U.S. carriers from going into the Persian Gulf, going into the Gulf of Amman, the Hormuz uh, Strait, over Iranian airspace, and now global carriers, uh, Emirates, British Airways, Lufthansa, Singapore, KLM, Qantas, they're all now adhering to what the FAA has put out, and they're deciding that they won't go into that airspace either, which is tough for Middle Eastern carriers that that's their that's a busy route. That's their headquarters there uh, for Emirates and Qatar and, and some of the other uh, airlines that are out there. But uh, they say they're going to avoid it. The only one that's going to be interesting is Lufthansa. They're going to be avoiding the airspace, but they are still flying into Tehran. Uh, so they're flying into Iran, but that's the only flight that will go into Iranian airspace. Does the FAA get guidance, advice from intelligence agencies before making this or the Pentagon or anybody? Well, they uh, typically will get a, a very quick warning before something happens, and sometimes that's how we find out something's going to happen, that they will be told, clear the airspace. And normally then you know something's coming shortly thereafter. But this is now in response to, to what happened last night, that this is the FAA saying that there is the potential of military action in that area. But the other concern isn't so much on the immediacy of what the U.S. might do in retaliation, but the fact that now we know what the Iranians used to take down that uh, global hawk, the, uh, the drone, that it was a type of rocket that is similar to the type that took down the Malaysian airliner over uh, Ukraine, Flight 17, a couple of years ago and killed everybody on board. The concern is that if they fire off another one of these, that it could accidentally lock on to a commercial airliner in the area and not onto what they're actually targeting oh, and could take down that commercial airliner. We now know from the Pentagon that there was an airliner, Cutter Airways Flight 834, an Airbus A330, that was only 45 miles away from the drone when it was blown out of the sky. And 45 miles in air terms is not very many. And when we look at on the map where the plane was, versus where the rockets were launched, it looks like it was only 5 to 10 miles away from that launch site, but, but at impact, about 45 miles away. So we've got a lot of military experts who are telling us if very easily these rockets could launch onto the wrong uh, target and then take down a commercial airliner. So that's why they're clearing out that area. Any timetable for this? No. Nobody knows how long it's going to last because... We don't know what's going to happen, either what Iran will do or what President Trump will do, that right now it's until further notice they're telling people stay out of that area. All right, Alex, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Alex Stone there, the latest on, uh, again, this FAA directive that uh, carriers, airlines stay out of the area of the Persian Gulf, Gulf of Oman, and into the Iranian airspace because of the potential for things to go south there in terms of any sort of military intervention. Doesn't Giggle kind of remind you of Polly Pocket? When we come back, we're going to be talking about movies. Toy Story 4 opened up last night. Well, Avengers Endgame is also coming back to the theaters with the deleted scene and another uh, a post-credit tribute. See if they can, I don't know, get more of your money. Mo Kelly's going to join us when we return. Gary and Shannon.
What's that? It's difficult to pull off the moves in these jeans. Well, I think you did a yeoman's job there. Oh, thank uh, you. If you want to go to our Instagram page at Gary and Shannon, you can see Blake dancing to Shakira. Oh. And his hips don't lie. I got two words for you, Blake. Those hips. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. No, it was a good time. Where do you think he learns this behavior from, by the way? Are you looking at me? Yes. Are you serious? That's God-given right there, actually. See? You dance to a, a couple songs regularly, and you get up and you I do not have twerk. hips. I do not have hips like Blake. Would not work that same way. No. Oh, my gosh. Don't do that, Blake. <laughs> Don't. He was looking right at me when he danced like that. Don't do that again. Jeez. Welcome to Thank you. Mo on the Movies. Jeez. <laughs> ah, good times. Oh, Red. Don't be ridiculous, darling. It's Mo on the Movies. Kiss me. Not a chance. There he is, Mr. Mo Kelly, host of the Mo Kelly Show. I was very uncomfortable through all of that. Yeah, right? We I mean, apologize. They, you're not supposed to make eye contact with them when they're like no. doing the hippie thing. We no, apologize. Like he's, he's young, though. He'll learn, I hope. That's he's running point. out of time. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's good yeah. to see you, man. Uh, we like to and talk you, to you. As well. Thank we like you. to talk to you about movie stuff and movies that are coming out. And there's a couple that are coming out this weekend. Uh, let's start with the one that's mo- the most fun. But no, no. Let's start with the one that's. I don't even know how to say this. The next chapter in the Toy Story world? No, not that one. Not yet. Oh. I wanted to talk about the other toy, the Child's Play movie that's coming. Oh, out. Oh, there's another creepy oh, doll. Yeah, you you didn't see the original Child's Play? I did. Oh, okay. Is it is it the same? It's Chucky yes. again. Yeah. Yes, yep. it's Chucky. But Chucky was like burned in in Child's yeah, Play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They killed Jason. Yeah, they killed Freddy. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know. They all come back outside. I think Chucky did something to her, sweetie. Chucky is a toy. Okay. Uh uh-uh. uh. It broke. No, got no, rid of Mom, it. I, I saw him. I saw him following Marie. No, you didn't. Listen to what you're saying. Mom, he's going to kill her. Chuck, why aren't you listening to me? I will totally stream that when it's available. <laughs> but you won't spend money on it. No. I don't know if this generation appreciates that type of horror anymore. Yeah. It's I could, different. It's nostalgic, too. Yeah, it's nostalgic. Um, interesting, they, they got rid of the longtime voice actor that did Chucky, a guy named Brad Dorif. Do you know who's voicing Chucky in this one? Mark Hamill. Yes, I Luke did Skywalker. hear that. Yeah. Now, he's, he's had a huge career in voice acting after Star Wars, and you know now, I guess, in between Star Warses, uh, but, but he's going to be the new Chucky. I don't, know, I don't know if it even matters, because there's been such a, a distance in between the movies, people may not even really notice, but Mark Hamill is a fantastic voice actor, as you said, in his own right. Um, Avengers Endgame is going to be re-released as well. We've talked before many times about uh, Endgame leading up to it since then, etc., and they're saying that they want to try to push Endgame over the box office total of Avatar. I mean, it's within, I don't know. It's like 40 million 10, worldwide. 40 million now. Yeah. That's the difference between the two with, with uh, Avatar still being number one. All they're going to do is add, a, uh, I guess, a deleted scene. I'm surprised that someone hasn't done this sooner. But I thought, in just talking with my nerd friends, that they might do like an alternate ending. And really bring people back into the... When you're dealing with time travel and alternate timelines, it just lends itself to a different type of ending. They're not doing that. They're just going to have, from what I understand, just an, an extra scene on the end, like an end credit scene. 
not something inside the actual movie. Oh. But they'll still get my money. Hey, well, guys, I was going to say, if they all, if all they did was add a few seconds of footage here and there, they could say they've added new footage. Right. You so. guys, yeah. can we talk about Toy Story 4 now? You got it. Toy Story 4, uh, you got to get Forky. Forky is the most important toy to Bonnie right now. We all have to make sure nothing happens to him. Woody, we have a situation. I am not a toy. I was made for soup, salad, maybe chili, and then the trash. Oh, We've got to get Borky. I want to go see that. All the names you know, Tom Hanks, yep. uh, Tim Allen, Woody, Potts, John, Bo Joe Beep. Cusack. They used uh, Giggle. Don Rickles as well. And don't forget John Ratzenberger. John Ratzenberger, of who, course. Who'll be on the Mo Kelly Show tomorrow night. And Keanu Reeves. You get the best Keanu guests. Reeves is going to be in this one. There is this clip going on online. First, thank you, Shannon. There's this clip of a lot of these actors doing their voiceovers, and they're showing the the actual Pixar footage under them as they're practicing their lines. And there's a, a short bit with Keanu Reeves. I'll send it to you. It is really, really funny because you get to see Keanu just being his natural self. He's the, having a moment, isn't he? Yes, he is. He is. The character that he plays in this, I don't remember exactly what it what his name is supposed to be, but I saw the commercial for the Duke toy. Kaboom. Duke Kaboom. I saw the Duke Kaboom commercial separated away from anything that had to do with the movie, and I thought it was a commercial for a toy that you and I would have played with in the late 70s, early 80s. That's the scene in which he's rehearsing because he's actually talking to the director. like, do I do this like this an actual commercial or, or do it like th- this guy thinks he's in a commercial? It's really, really smart. That is, is completely awesome. A uh, couple of things. First of all, you're going to be filling in for us a couple of days next week. Yes, I am. Okay, so make sure you bring a lunch because it can get pretty peckish in here. Oh, wow. Right. Really? Noon, 1 o'clock. Oh, Why didn't you tell me that? I wouldn't have agreed to it. Blood sugar gets really low. Oh, you're, man. Ah, it's really dark in here. Should I bring like a, a, a mattress so I can just, you know, take a nap? I would not put anything close to this floor. Oh. Do not yeah. do not do that. We did push-ups the other day. and I still have a rash on my leg. Yeah. Whoa, they, I just spilled again. This, Look at that. The yeah. sore. Is it an open oh, sore? <laughs> Gross. No, that was actually just a cut from oh. last night when I was doing my nails. Uh, but the Mo Kelly Show, uh, 6 p.m. tomorrow, 6 p.m. on Sunday. Yep. Uh, mentioned you, John Ratzenberger. John Ratzenberger. Hammy the Pig. Every Pixar movie. Every single Pixar movie, he has had a role in it. That sounds like a good This gig. one included. Mo Kelly, thank you so much. Thank Appreciate you. it. Coming back. Our nine news nuggets you need to know. Get out your dipping sauces. Great way to start your weekend with mm. these news nuggets. Get a pocket full of them and just hit the road. Uh, barbecue, mustard, spicy. Szechuan sauce. Szechuan, that's what I was looking for, but I settled on spicy. Don't settle for spicy. Shannon. Friday, June 21st, first day of summer. Except I woke up to rain. Yeah, what the weird. hell is this winter? Windshield wipers All on about. the way into work today. Strange. All right, so our nine news nuggets happen to be done. And they are some of the craziest stories that we didn't get to earlier this week. And we decided we'd throw them all in one big smack talking segment called the nine news nuggets you need to know honorable mention not supposed to mention 
by 100 foot strip of land <laughs> that separates two villas. I don't know if you could see it in that picture. It's not very great, but it's like It's worth $50. It's the strip of land that goes between the two driveways on these homes and it's just covered with grass. The land holds two mailboxes. Oh, well in that case, I figure you you talk to one of those uh, landowners that's on either side of you and say I can extend your property by a tenth of an acre. Would you do that? Would you bite at that? No. No. Here's number nine. Uh, number nine. Uh, I did nine plays with the cops dirty nine times out of ten as partners dirty two. And I speak nine languages. I stay up till nine o'clock. Basically everybody at table nine. I feel ready to go another nine in. Niner. Did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? I didn't know that this was a thing that was happening. Oh, yeah. That kids who have lemonade stands, are their stands are being shut down. They're being fined. I feel I am embarrassed for police officers who do this. Lemonade stands are currently allowed without permits in just 15 states. But Country Time <laughs> Lemonade is paying the fines for the kids across Good the country. You. What a great PR, I, don't, I would say stunt, but just move. The, the, the company, Country Time Lemonade, has a new website that will show you where lemonade stands are legal and directs you to where you could lobby your local lawmaker to make them legal and offers downloadable yard signs to rally for the cause. It's a great idea. Oh, it, is it would be great if you could make a figure eight. A child is born every eight seconds. Listening to eight different bosses drone on about mission statements. Amazing. You've heard the old adage, the proof is in the pee. Have you not? I guess. I don't know. I don't. Uh, well, in Washington, that is certainly the case. They have a federally funded study that has confirmed using urine that marijuana use went up after its first legal pot stores opened back in 2014. They used two sewage treatment plants in Tacoma, oh, just God. south Wait, of Seattle. Pulling the car over. Yes. Sewage treatment plants in Tacoma. There are very few worse things than that in oh Washington State. The scientists would pick up a cooler full of frozen no. wastewater samples, no. thaw them, no. and analyze them using liquid chromatography and mass spectrometry. Not spectrometry, today. and then determine that the THCCOOH is excreted in people's urine to a degree that they haven't seen before. Second down and nine. <laughs> The seventh son of the seventh son. One of the seven days. With the government, Sector 7. Five, seven. Seven a.m. Seven years of college down the drain. Seven. 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 Seven, seven days. A guy in Michigan won the lottery. $80 million was that jackpot. 
That's it? That's the end of the story? No. Oh. What happened was he won the jackpot two years after he filed for divorce, but since the divorce wasn't final when he won, he's going to have to split it with the wife, the ex-wife. Oh. After taxes and deductions, that $80 million came to $38.8 million. His ex is being awarded 15 of that. So he still gets the majority of it, but... Uh, that's a good haul for being nothing but uh, on the back end of a divorce. Yeah, but you know what? Maybe this guy is a terrible person, and maybe she's a great person, and that's how the universe works. Or maybe she's a terrible person, and he's a great person, well, I'm, and that's the way the universe works. I'm going to look him up, Mr. Cynical, right. and find some misdeeds well, in his life. Oh, okay. I got six. You got six. She got six. Uh, number six. Dude, there's six more weeks of winter. What do you have a picture of me, a rabbi, and six drunken longshoremen? Why don't we just stick her in a nursing home closer to us so I don't have to drive six hours? Drink another six-pack. Number six. Wow, UFOs have been spotted all over Kansas City. He actually looks like a really nice guy. See, I told you. Flying objects over Kansas City last night sparked the interest of locals and had some people looking for answers. The TV station there in Kansas City said it fielded several calls regarding a couple of strange orbs floating over KC International Airport. Um, In the end, KMBC said it's likely one of the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency balloons in test fight. Test flights. They do three balloons uh, from Maryland as part of an adaptable lighter than air program. So maybe one of theirs. Mm, makes me miss Kelly's and the pizza stand in the back. Kelly's is a an old uh, bar in Kansas City, the oldest bar in Kansas City, I believe. Oh, it's nostalgia. Yeah. It's where the the horses and buggies would would stop on their way out west. Out west. Mm-hmm. Where would somebody stop when they're going out east? Did you see where she did that just now? She said when they used to go out west, and she flick her head to the left like it's just right there. You know, back when they used to, back in the old days when that's what the rifleman does. Ma and Pa used to go out west. Coming up next, the rest of your nuggets. Spend for themselves out there on the prairie. <laughs> you can't use the transatlantic accent when you're talking about out west. I could do what I want, Missy. Gary and Shannon. Your tomato. It- all right. Oh, it was like the beginning of Maroon 5. Back when they were just like Maroon 4? No, they were actually Maroon 5 from the beginning, I think. I mean, I don't know. John and Ken show coming up in a few minutes. We're in the middle of our uh, nine news nuggets you need to know. Number For five minutes! I have five rules. We begin bombing in five minutes. Five little monkeys. This is the year 5.5. leaning on Do me a favor and lose five pounds immediately. So this is crazy. Researchers planted more than 17,000 lost wallets, and I'm using finger quotes here, Uh, across 355 cities and 40 countries and then kept track of how often somebody contacted the supposed owners of those lost wallets. Interesting. They said the presence of money, the equivalent of what would have been about 13 bucks local currency, boosted the response rate to 51% compared to 40% of those uh, wallets with no cash. You know, what's interesting to me is I've lost my wallet before, and what was important to me was not the money in it, but it was my ID, it was the credit cards, it was all of the other stuff. 
because money, it's, you know, it's replaceable. Right. It's, it's, I think I have pictures of my kids. You've got pictures of your kids in there. See, look at that. Oh, that's really sweet. That's adorable. Does that make you sad now that they're so much older? Now that he's twice that size. Yeah. Look at that. Aww. Four minutes. Probably on his fourth tranquilizer. Where's your daughter? Commandment number four. There goes the fourth Oh my god, that is precious. I know, right? (gasps) Look, that's not so precious. That is so cute. No, it's not. I love that baby. Oh, that is so cute. I made that. Oh, well, number four. You uh, you work in the DA's office. It's probably not a good job, a good idea to put twenty four bags of crack and sixteen vials of heroin in your pants before you go to work at the DA's office. Well, but that's just that's, what happened. That's fine. Just don't drop them. Yeah. This paralegal dropped a bag filled with crack cocaine and heroin as she walked through the DA's office. That's not a good. That's not a good first day on the job. Three shall be the number thou shalt count, and the number of the counting shall be three. They were dead within three hours. Three. Security clearance level three. All three of you. Three. I got all three of you guys for the rest of your natural-born lives. After about three days, they both start to stink. Three. Not sure why this is news. They say it's a new trend that's emerged on the dating scene. Um, No. This this study says a third of women admit to dating for free meals. Uh huh. Hasn't this been going on for the uh, for the Forever? all of time? Yes. The they call it not a booty call. They call it a foodie call. That's so sad. Thirty three percent of participants admitted to engaging in at least one foodie call. Okay. Here's number two. What's going on, you two? Pick out two fingers. One, two. There are two people in this house. There's two sons and no women. Two ringy-dingy. Oh, I get it. I get it. Number two. Get it? 31-year-old Jamie Cruz facing charges. She tried to make her partner sick so that she could take their six-month-old daughter from their home without his interference last weekend. She put eye drops in his drink. Because that's what she learned to do in Wedding Crashers when Vince Vaughn encourages Owen Wilson's character to spike Bradley Cooper's drink with Visine and he ends up on the toilet for four days. Her fiancé caught him doing this. He caught her pouring eye drops into his Coke and exhibiting strange behavior. We're number one. You're strange. Number one. We're number one, Ben. That's all that counts. I decided to look out for number one. Are you the number one? <laughs> Row number one. Number one. Uh, number one. I love this story because this is something all of us would do if we were rich people. Um, Russell Crowe spent $35,000 on a dinosaur head he saw sitting on display at Leonardo DiCaprio's house. He told Stern this week, I bought it for my kids. Cut myself a little bit of slack here. There was a bunch of vodka involved in the transaction. Like, wouldn't we buy a dinosaur head for $35,000? Nick bought a unicorn head. He did. It wasn't thirty-five grand. I remember the day you came into the office with that unicorn head, and I thought to myself, I love you. I like him. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's still there. It's it, well. It's a, it's got a place of it's honor mounted on the wall. It right. It watches over us. All right. We'll see you on the first. It's our cult symbol. They dry everybody. Blessings. Gary and Shannon side studio show. All right. Ready. Set. Go. 
You sound like a Wookiee. If you're a homeowner thinking about going solar, meet the Solar Max team at the next News Improved. Take two, because I said bad words. There have been more than 8,000 power outages in L.A. I think I popped that thing. This could be a life changer, a way to earn and have it fit your life and schedule. You don't want to be stuck in an office. Too long. Titan. Titan. Gonorrhea. Lucaria. Do not give me the giggles. If you're a homeowner thinking about going solar, come on out. Meet the Solar Max team at our next News and Brews at... If you're a homeowner... <laughs> this has been Gary and Shannon's Side Studio Show. Yay. Stay tuned for more outtakes and bloop, bloopers. Stay outtakes and bloopers. Oh, you know what I'm saying. We're going to keep scrolling up. Oh, goodbye. Gary and Shannon.